Hello and welcome to the Government Ops Podcast. I'm Rob Anderson, City Manager of the City of Fairborn. And I'm Megan Howard, Communications Manager for the City of Fairborn, and we are the hosts of the Government Ops Podcast. So you may ask yourself, what is the Government Ops Podcast? And really, it's trying to give everybody an overview of the different city departments, uh, what those departments do, what programs we offer, what services we have here. Uh, We're really excited to have folks understand and learn what we do as employees. I think there's a lot of questions that we get about our operations and what uh, what exactly we're doing at times. Uh, Some of those are positive questions. Some are a little different, but uh, we want to really excited to share kind of not only the departments, but also the people that we have, uh, the wonderful folks that do everything on a daily basis. So if uh, you're ready for this. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, So let's get this episode going. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Government Ops Podcast. My name is Rob Anderson. I'm the city manager from the city of Fairborn. And I am Megan Howard, communications manager for the city of Fairborn. And on today's podcast, we are talking about economic development. And we are going to chat with assistant city manager, Mike Gebhardt. And Mike's been with us uh, for about eight and a half-ish years. So... Uh, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Welcome, Mike. I think before we get started, it's probably good to go over, uh, answer a couple questions. One is, why would we start with economic development? And I guess the answer to that is it's really the lifeblood of what we do as an organization. So it's critical to everything else that we do as a city. The other thing I would say is it would be helpful to understand before we get this conversation started about how cities, at least where we are, generate revenue. And I think the primary revenue source for us is income tax. So the things that we do in terms of economic development are based largely on income tax generation. And the second piece of that, people often think, well, I pay my property tax, don't you guys have enough? And what they don't understand is in where we're located, of all the property tax you pay, we get about 16%. So it's primarily funds the schools, cities are left to work on income tax. So with that in mind, Mike, welcome. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Appreciate you taking some time. Can you explain to us what economic development is? Well, for me, uh, at at its core, um, it supports what what Rob talked about. How do we uh, bring businesses into the city? How do we keep businesses in the city? How do we help businesses in the city expand? But there's also a component of it that, that we don't normally think of with on the commercial side, and that's economic development is also all, all the new housing that's come into the city um, and uh, apartment buildings. So it's it's got a commercial side, it's got an industrial side, it's got a, a residential side, but ultimately it's goals and objectives uh, that help that get us to a point where um, there's jobs that are prevalent for our residents. Um, those who choose to live outside the community, they, there's good quality jobs here that bring them to the to Fairborn. And hopefully they see how great it is here and they want to move here. So it's got many, many components to it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's goals and objectives to, to try and um, bring the best possible uh, opportunities to our residents, as well as, of course, like you stated, um, property tax, 16 percent of top property tax really doesn't go that far. Right. And so uh, it's the employers like Wright State and the defense finance folks and Alley Industries all the way down to our smaller employees that only have one or two uh, paid positions. Those income taxes help facilitate some of the things that you see all over the city, whether it's roadways, 
or uh, park upkeep, uh, just about everything we do, fire, EMS, police, um, economic development touches all of them. So that's a good way to, the second question I have for you then would be, is there really any part of the city that does not have some type of fit with regard to economic development? No, not really. I mean, we're, I've, I've always said um, we've got several downtowns. We've got the old historic downtown. We've got uh, the Colonel Glenn corridor out with Wright State and Wright Patterson. Then we've got the, the Dayton Yellow Springs corridor where Menards and Kroger's have just in, in the past five years all built larger, bigger location, larger um, new locations. And so um, we're really in a unique position. I mean, we have we're, our western border is Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Um, so each one of those uh, components or areas in the city has their own unique uh, business identity. And so we're really lucky to have something like that here in the city. Um, there's not just one business that does everything. We've got a defense component. We've got an education component. We've got a retail component. And, of course, we've got... Um, especially on the east side of the city, we've got a lot of new housing to support those. So with all those things in mind then, Mike, what is our priority? What do we prioritize in terms of economic development? Well, I think it's, it's a good question because, you know, folks want to know more about Spark Fairborn. Right. So, you know, at one time we had quite a few vacancies downtown and the train of thought was, how do we encourage new business there? What better way to encourage new business uh, to populate the downtown area than build an incubator? Uh, gives a place for folks to start their business, whether it's in our kitchen or whether it's in our co-working space. They have an opportunity, low startup costs, get their business up and running. And then when they look for a place to move to, they stay within the city. Uh, Neighborhood Nest is a perfect example of that. Sure. Um, started out as a, as a tenant with a couple other gluten-free folks and in less than three years has expanded so much that she had her own storefront and now has her second larger storefront. So the priority downtown is to incubate businesses, whether they're food service, uh, retail, what have you. And then when they're when they're big enough to move out, they stay here in Fairborn. Sure. Fills up our small shops downtown. Uh, out on Colonel Glenn, how do we support Wright State University? How do we support Wright-Patterson Air Force Base? So there's uh, a lot of focus on that, and of course, in our uh, Dayton Yellow Springs corridor, it's all primarily retail. Um, now the new high school will be out there, so we'll see some growth out there in support of that facility. So it just depends on what section of the city you're in, uh, how we how we support it. But we support all our sections, uh, uh, all our locations within the city. So we're not the only organization that does economic development. So there's other actors at different levels of government that do economic development. How do we fit? in that bigger picture with, say, the county that we're in or the state of Ohio? Uh, partnerships probably the, the best word for it. Uh, a lot of the leads we receive, and, and we receive quite a few leads through the state of Ohio. So in cases like that, they take the lead. Uh, once uh, they've vetted that and, and there's some idea of areas that the business wants to to move to, whether it's our community or or other communities in this region or somewhere else in the state, uh, that's when we come in and put together uh, a presentation, put our best foot forward. Um, the county, being our partner, uh, may be able to come to the table with with some additional incentives. But truly, the bigger projects come from the state down to us. Um, so if we don't have that partnership, 
we're stronger with the partnership than we are without. And so sure. each one of them brings an element. And of course, the state brings incentives, the city brings incentives, the county brings incentives. And hopefully, hopefully between those and the actual presentation, the site we show them, um, it shows folks why they want to be there. And I think one of the sure. one of the important things that I'd like to get across in that process is, is that our residents have a have a part in that. Um, you know, it's it's important that we always put our best foot forward. Um, or when businesses look at our area, it's not uncommon for them to, to, to drive around, look at the town, look at social media, see the things that are out there. So um, the more our residents talk up our community and the, and the positives of it, the easier it makes economic development sure. for us. So there's plenty of work to go around. This for Let's say, for example, when a project comes in, that's a pretty big project. We're going to partner with the state of Ohio, Greene County. There's going to, there's multiple, there's enough work for all of us is what I'm really trying absolutely, to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like I've said, um, we're better off together than we are separate. Sure. Um, and of course the state carries the heavy load a lot of the times with these bigger projects. Um, but we rely on the County just, uh, just like we do the state to, to help put their, our best foot forward. So yeah, there's plenty of, of work for, for, um, all levels of government. Um, so let me ask this question. Then, and I know this is, you, you mentioned the state, feeding projects down to the city because there's maybe a national organization or company that's looking to put a footprint here in our area. What are some of the other ways that we know when projects are going to happen? So how do we find out about something that you know, may or may not be taking place? A lot of times we'll have, they'll just call us and want to talk about what, what, what makes Fairborn the right place for us. Sure. At that point, then we turn and contact our partners if it's if it's something that we might need some assistance from the county on or the state from. There are a lot of times we don't hear anything. Right. Um, we'll go through, you know, luckily economic development development services in the city um, uh, are, are essentially together. So a lot of times it'll be someone that has called and wants to know what the zoning on a piece of property is. Sure. And whether it's appropriate appropriate for what they want to do, and and we'll get the lead through that. So um, there's various ways, but a lot of times it's just somebody calling us up, somebody sending us an email, somebody somebody calling um, the city planner and saying, "Hey, can we do this here?" But in any case, whether it's trickled down from the state or it comes through a phone call or it comes over from the planner, we treat all of them the same way. Right. Uh, doesn't matter if if you're a one person shop or a five hundred. Uh, uh, 500 employees and whatever you're doing, we treat everybody the same way. It's important that we put Fairborn's best foot forward. And that's what we do with each one. So customer service is huge from our staff. And the thing to remember is that one person shop could turn into a 500 person business in 10, 15 years. So if we put our best foot forward, as you say, I love that term, then we make an environment that people are attracted to that then they grow their businesses from there. Right. Right. I, think that's, I think that's a key piece that not everybody understands. I think people, and I'll get to this in a minute when I ask you some fun questions, but people seem to think that we have a lot more ability to make things happen than we do, right? Absolutely. So there, there are things that that uh, you know people would love to have in town that we just can't get to. And again, I'll ask you those questions in a minute. But So you talk about our wins that we've had. Who are some of our larger employers? You mentioned Wright State. Who are some of the other ones that are pretty big here? You know, our, our, again, our largest employer, obviously, is Wright State University. Um, we have a lot of, of employers who are based around the base. 
Right. Uh, I mean, if you look at our numbers, uh, defense finance is, is one of the top three right. or four. So you have them. Um, Alley Industries is always hiring. iSupply is always hiring. Um, those are businesses that have been here for decades. They're you know, Fairborn icons. So those are some of our largest. Morris Furniture's Distribution Center, of course, um, has a huge footprint. Um, but especially on Colonel Blend, the defense uh, related industries like ball aerospace. Uh, they're just, I mean, they're just huge and, and impactful in our, our community. So when it, when it comes to the base, we, we have more impact from the defense contractors, not the actual base itself, you know, cause right. I mean, the base is the largest employer in the state of Ohio. Right. However, we don't really benefit might not be a good word, but you know, we don't see the same impact from the base economically as we do. Well, we, we contract. Correct. And so um, folks are familiar with with uh, the Wright Executive Center that uh, right across the street from Wright State on Colonel Glenn. Yeah. That those buildings have a lot of defense contractors in them um, that all pay income tax. Uh, we have right now a national road across from uh, the main gate for area B. You'll you probably folks have noticed there's a huge new office building going up there. Um, that office building is being built primarily as the base gets bigger and bigger, missions get pushed off the base. Right. So we need to set ourselves up to be able to take those folks in because once they come off the base, they're they're subject to our income tax. And so... Um, so when they're on know, the base, they're not? When they're on the base, uh, to a certain extent, they're not. So, I, I mean, it's just yes, easier. No. Yes, as a rule of thumb, we just kind of say no, but, but like Rob said, there's... Also, on the, on the, I, I would augment Mike's answer and because I think the base does have some direct influence over us only, maybe not only, but in the, the way that some people live in our community because of our proximity to the base. So folks that maybe have a job on base that, that live in Fairborn, we do get income tax from those folks because they're not taxed on the base property. So it, there are multiple ways that we're affected. I, I look at the base as a pretty big magnet yeah. uh, that draws people, draws businesses, draws jobs. And we're fortunate to be literally on the doorstep of that magnet. Absolutely. Mike, what are some of the uh, other wins that we've had from an economic development center? What would you consider big or small? What are some of the things that you mentioned that we should pound our chest? Well, I think most notably for those folks who go up and down 675, obviously the Pepsi distribution center. Right. I mean, that, that was, was, a huge win, you know, a consolidation of, of two regions in, into one. And so um, that distribution is is a, a huge, huge, huge win for us. Yeah. Um, so we always look to that. You know, there's there's smaller wins. Um, Spark, uh, Spark Fairborn, our incubator is, is a big is a big win as far as as a project that size goes, um, you know, the interesting things that we've done to help keep people here are also big wins. Uh, when waste management went to compress natural gas to fuel their trucks, um, the city partnered with with a couple of different entities to help make the cost of extending that natural gas line up to their facility possible, which kept them in the city. Sure. So it's not necessarily just who's new coming into the city. It's how do we keep our current uh, businesses or, and help them expand. So sure. everybody, uh, obviously Pepsi is, is huge. 
Um, Menards was a huge win. Yeah. Kroger's was a huge win. If people knew the 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 steps that had to happen over the years um, to get Menards here, not with incentives, right. but just to get them in the pipeline, put it on their 24 month uh, build out plan and doing the things uh, that were necessary to happen, you know, reviewing plans, uh, issuing permits, doing inspections to make that a reality. Um, folks don't realize how much every department in the city contributes to economic development. Right. How folks see us, whether it's um, a great police department or a fire and EMS that shows up in in uh, seconds and a few minutes rather than five plus minutes, a building inspection division that has a good reputation of easy to work with and and flexible. Those all those elements go to help create the image of, of Fairborn that helps us sell the uh, the community for new business and retaining business. There's one thing you mentioned I want to try to lean in on a little bit more. You mentioned what companies look for when they come to certain communities. And I want to maybe step through that a little bit because a retail user like a Menards has different metrics that they use to evaluate a community as opposed to Pepsi, for example. So can you explain kind of what, so what, what's a retail user looking for when they come to Fairborn? So, you know, I, Rob had said earlier in the conversation, you know, we'd love to have certain things, you know, why can't we get certain? Most national businesses have a pretty extensive uh, real estate and economic development department themselves. They're, they're market driven. They examine how closely these businesses or locations of theirs can be together. They don't want them to overlap. Uh, they want them to have their own unique customer base. And so um, in, the, in the case of retail, it made sense perhaps or example of that in Menard's case was they didn't have a facility um, that could touch Springfield, touch down 675. Everything that, that the Dayton Mall and the Tip City store couldn't service, they needed somewhere that 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 was was in that service area. And so Fairborn became a natural. There's already some of their competition in the area. Um, you know, we we hear about restaurants that folks would love to have. Those are all driven by those particular businesses, marketing and real estate departments. They look at, um, you know, the concentration of population in an area. They look at the the uh, disposable income in an area, and they use those metrics to help them uh, decide. Hey, I want to go to go to this particular city, and so so they, so they know our census data better than we do. Yeah, I mean that's what they do because if their information is wrong, then closing one of their facilities or potentially closing multiple facilities because of a bad real estate choice, they're not going to have that happen. They're going to be a hundred percent sure. So no matter how badly we want something, that company has got to have a want to be in, in this market. And so that's, that's their data tells them that. So it doesn't matter then how many vacant buildings we have, you know, if, if we've got 30 vacant buildings, it, it, it may not matter if X business doesn't want to come here because of, you know, how their business model would fit within this or not fit within this community. So whether or not we have this vacant building open right. and ready to give them or let them, you know, have them purchase it, it if it doesn't fit within their business model, it's well, not going to matter. Well, what seems like a perfect fit to all of us may not be a perfect fit right. to them. Right. 
you know, it's the, the old adage, are we trying to put a square peg in a round hole? You know, the, the company coming in drives that boat. Right. Um, we can put our best foot forward. We can uh, do all the, we have a building for you. If it doesn't fit their market model, then, then it's not going to happen. Right. You And I, so those companies, a retail company is going to come here, whether or not we offer them incentives or we look for, I mean, they're, they're coming here because they know that we, in terms of population, have what they're looking for. Yeah, that we've, we've got the customers they need. Right. And ultimately that's, that's their goal is, is, you know, how can they make their facility as pro- profitable as possible? And so, yeah. And I always find it very interesting when you talk to retail, particularly larger national retailers, those folks really have their, everything from the construction to the operation manager of that business down to an absolute exact science. Mm-hmm. So to your question, Megan, about could we get a national chain to take over an existing building? The answer is typically no, only because they have to have X number of square feet laid out in X fashion, trying to find a building that exists that's like that, almost impossible. So it's almost easier at that point then, if they do want to come, for them to, to knock it down right, and then sure. start start from scratch. True. Sure. It's a, almost a disposable mentality when it comes to retail. Well, I think we see so much of that around anywhere. I mean, retail has changed so drastically uh, with, with the internet and even more so right. with covid and so what we, again, you, you may have a big box store that's moved to a bigger location and it's open. And we think, ah, we would love to put something back in there. Um, and we start naming off who that could be. Again, if it doesn't fit their model, they're not going to do it. Right. And so um, believe me, we try. Uh, we are always out there. We're always talking. We're talking up our vacant buildings, our vacant land. Um, it, it's constant. We, you know. If you throw something out a hundred times and you and you get two, three, four hits on that, in economic development you're doing well, and so all we can do is keep pushing uh, those those sites forward. And so, like you said, it is and a lot of times uh, people just they may love the actual location, they want to start fresh. They don't want to take over somebody's building, and it's more cost effective to them to remove the building and build what exactly what they want that fill, uh, fills their their requirements. So you've mentioned some of our priorities, and one of those clearly is downtown. Yes. The city has made a conscious effort to jumpstart, I'll say, the economic development efforts downtown. What are some of the things we've done to help make that a reality? And well, hold on to the spark conversation because I'm asking you specifically about that in a minute. Well, I think it's whether it's the facade program originally, you know, appearance is, is a lot of things. Folks remember. You know, they, they have this idea of the golden age of downtown. You know, we'll never get back to that. Well, look at a lot of communities. There's multiple golden ages. So what can we do to help move that along? So we created a facade program several years ago to help uh, with the remodeling of the front of the store or the outside of the building. So it's it's there's been interest. And it, it really does have... Um, some good bones to it, that program. We've got a building right now on, on uh, South Central that's undergoing a facade renovation. Uh, building's been there for uh, quite some time. A new face with new windows, new window trim, all of that uh, makes that building pop out more. And ultimately, it's easier for the folks to, to rent it so sure. that there's 
businesses in there that we want to see. Um, you know, that facade program is going to expand uh, to encourage uh, continued uh, efforts that way. We started out with $5,000. Right. Um, we would pay half. A business would pay the other half. If they stayed there a, number, a certain number of years, we would forgive that. Um, there are some facade loans that go as high as 35000 with the uh, business paying the other half of that. There may be even larger uh, projects that, that help keep the feel of downtown, but give it a fresher look that will continue to, to, to help us expand. But the facade program has been a huge downtown. We've done uh, streetscape work. We brought events downtown. Right. So what better way to show off our community than, than whether it's uh, Bluegrass and Brews or Wolfstock or uh, any of the other events? Uh, that we have concert series we have downtown, you know, those are folks that come to those that normally wouldn't come to Fairborn. And while they're there, they, they sit back and say, Hey, look, they've got uh, this interesting store or that interesting shop, or, you know, they've got Giovanni's or tickets or some of the other restaurants. Um, let's come back. And that's, that's really what those festivals in part are meant to do is, is to let people who don't normally come to the Fairborn downtown area, see what a cool, downtown actually looks like sure. because so many communities don't have it now, but it gets them to say, Hey, I think that's a cool looking place to eat or something or, or a shop to go in. They come back and they come back and they come back. And Fairborn's really not immune to having some blight. A lot of communities went through it. Uh, what was popular in the fifties and sixties, maybe not as popular in the nineties, two thousands properties go unattended for a period of time or get dilapidated. Yeah. How have, how has Fairborn, met that challenge what have we done to address those issues particularly in areas that are our focus like downtown well i think it's you know there's an adage out there that says um government had to come in and do something because no one else would and so you know when you and i first got here it was um we had some older rundown uh, motels or hotels right. along broad street and we made a concerted effort. And, we, and to be very honest with you, we were lucky. Right. Um, some of those owners were ready to retire. You know, it's not, it wasn't our goal to drive someone out of business. Uh, but it just so happened that the majority of those folks were ready to move on. And so um, they could move off into retirement, win-win. And we could purchase those hotels, knock them down, um, have a clean site. Yep. Um, you know, a prime example of that is the old Command Motel site, right. which is now a Tudor's Biscuit World. Uh, you know, those folks were ready to retire. We bought it. We knocked it down. We actually had the property for a while. We don't want to hold property. That's, that's not the thing, but we are, we want to be that person that, that takes it down to that, uh, site that's, that's sure. can be redeveloped. And so, um, that's a perfect example of, of how we've, we've tried to change things, um, encourage development. Um, to move the city forward. So if I'm a small, I want to go back just a little bit. If I'm a small business owner, are, are there, you know, are there programs that we have within the city that could help jumpstart our small businesses within the, especially the downtown, you know, so, the focus. so we have small uh, pivot loans. Uh, those are the $5,000 loans, both the, the city and um, the Fairborn Development Corporation, which is a community improvement corporation 
that's established by the Ohio Revised Code. It's kind of like a an economic development arm of the city, but its own it's its own standalone uh, uh, organization. Both the city and uh, the FTC have those. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, uh, PPP money was was available and still is right. uh, for those uh, small shops who um, need some help uh, and can show, demonstrate that, that that there was a need, that they were harmed during the pandemic. Um, that's still available. We also have uh, a first steps program. So that actually has up to $2,000. If you need help to hire a, an architect, a design professional uh, to help you either um, do a floor plan or do some kind of design work um, to be able to apply for a building permit. Uh, that program is also there to help with that. So there's there, they may not seem like, like large dollar amounts, but they're the kind of thing a small business owner, um, you know, could make or break a project. Yeah. And it's meant to be more of a, uh, just a, a assistance, not do the whole thing for somebody. Right. So, if we can get that first $2,000 of an architect's time, you'd be surprised how far that would actually go in terms of getting some type of a permit. You you hit on, so let me follow it up with incentives. Um, what typically are they? What types of projects get them? So typically um, we incentivize, uh, we don't incentivize retail or, or, or food service. Generally speaking, those folks, um, you know, at least on a national level, um, those folks come in, they know what they want. Um, they've had to meet certain requirements to be a franchise of, of that particular thing. They handle themselves pretty well. Um, if it's something else, if it's a, if it's a larger business we're trying to attract, we generally look at um, the number of full-time positions they're going to bring, as well as what their their uh, payroll is when they open the doors and those projections at three and five years to see how they benefit the city uh, based on on what those look like and what kind of income tax they could potentially generate and of course to a certain extent property tax right. um, you know we sit down and as a team and talk those through and if it makes sense to offer them some type of uh, tax abatement we will um, as as a primary incentive but Basically, we need information about what uh, what this business coming into the city is going to do uh, for the community. And then we make a, a decision on what we can do to, to help uh, bring them the rest of the way. You know, if, a fishing term, set the hook to, sure. re to reel them in the rest of the way. And sometimes that information can be helpful if a company is trying to decide between, say, us and another local community, right? True, very true. And it also, that information then allows us to go back to our partners, whether it be the Greene County or the state of Ohio, uh, to see if there's anything that they can throw into the mix to, to help uh, seal the deal. Sure. So um, an example of, of that would be um, recently in the last two or three years, uh, Channing Way or North Channing Way off of uh, Xenia yep. uh, runs along Alley Industries. Um, we partnered with ODOT um, to actually put in that that cul-de-sac there that would open up that 15 or so uh, vacant acres right next to 675 at 235 for further development. You know, it's our hope that 
Uh, now, if there's an access point there that someone will see that, put their business in there, and at the end of the day, they'll hire Fairborn residents uh, to, to operate that facility, whether it's a, a factory or whether it's an office building or a hotel. Uh, but it provides jobs back for, for our residents, good paying jobs that, that for our residents, and also generate um, tax dollars for both the schools and for uh, the city. So incentives, you know, I'm just thinking about my non-governmental brain sometimes. Uh, so it's almost as if it's it's the city's, you know, it's our buy-in. It's our, you know, saying, you know, we believe that uh, this company has the opportunity to succeed in Fairborn, you know, so much so that we are going to offer you this incentive. And really, we depending on the company, I'll let Mike just describe, you know, we'll even take a bit of a risk on some companies. You want to explain tangible solutions oh, and you know when, when what's happened with that project? Gosh, probably five, six years ago, Tangible Solutions was a very, very small business operating out of a facility in a neighboring community. For those who don't know, Tangible Solutions uh, makes uh, 3D printed uh, medical implants. So, um, you know, when, when folks talk about um, I had a, a broken bone and the doctor used a piece of metal to, to connect them and fuse them back together. Um, titanium implants are 3D printed over at Tangible Solutions. Again, started off as a very, very small business. The city actually invested in, in the company uh, when they came here. And um, Tangible is a great success story. I mean, we went from five employees. Right. Um, and they've tripled or quadrupled in size. Right in five to six years. Uh, you know, technology has helped a lot. You know, 20 years ago, we wouldn't talk about 3D printing. Now we do. Right. Uh, those would have been made stamped out of metal in some factory, but um, it's a real, Tangible Solutions is, a, is really a cool business if you ever get a chance to, to talk with those guys because what they do uh, makes people's lives better. Right. Uh, and they continue to grow in Fairborn. And so I think, you know, we showed them uh, that we wanted them here and we believed in what they were doing. And um, to this point, it's it's really paying off. So, Mike, is it fair to say, to summarize what we've talked about to this point, that economic development really is just creating an environment where companies and people can be successful? Correct. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's how we how we present ourselves and then how we follow up with them. You know, if we are always providing great customer service, whether it's whether it's here, building inspection, fire, police, how we plow your road in front of your facility, um, you know, it, it's all about the atmosphere we create um, to make Fairborn that city in motion, um, and they want to be here, and so it, it takes all of us to do that. And really, the cool part about the tangible solutions story, I mean, it's great that they've quadrupled in size and they're a great company and looking had some amazing growth over the next five years. They're going to tell our story, right? When somebody asks them about Fairborn, they're going to say good things, right? And that probably, we probably couldn't buy that kind of positive oh, uh, sentiment no, if we had to. Absolutely not. You know, and I always say we're in a very unique place. We're, you know, we're actually the bypass to the crossroads of America. You know, we are, right. we are, we are close enough to 7075, but we're also on essentially on the, the bypass of that with available land. It's convenient to go 
east or west on 70. It's convenient to go south on 675 to 75. We're in a really unique and a good position. Um, and I think, you know, as 675 has developed over the last 35 plus years, you know, if you look at it, we're the last two, four, two of our four exits still have a developable land, right. which nobody else along 675 has. And I think it puts us in a unique position uh, for businesses that want to be both in Cincinnati, Dayton, Indianapolis, perhaps Cleveland, Toledo is a tangible solutions can be located here and their customers can be reached in in less than uh, two or three hours going in any direction in major right. uh, major cities or major population areas. And so I think that's an added advantage in this, but it, um, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you cannot buy positive statements from businesses that are already here. When those people go organically, you know, some people call them disciples, apostles, people spreading the good word about Fairborn is right. there is there's like the credit card commercials say that's priceless. Right. You know, it's another example of being priceless is, you know, the the fact that our residents have invested so heavily now in new schools for us. Right. It, it makes our jobs much easier to attract whether it's new residents or businesses because when those larger companies come to look for a place to go they see that education is a priority to our residents and they, they're putting a lot of their hard-earned money into making sure that that those kids our kids have the best possible education they can get and right. so it's it's things like that too that that put us in a really unique position well and i think you know it shows we're invested in and, you know, we are willing and we want to help make the community better in whatever way that looks like. Right. And, you know, through the efforts of the economic development uh, focus, we've been able to do that and we're going to continue to do that. You know, you expect that from a business and from nonprofit groups and other community groups. But the fact that, you know, we as the city government is saying, no, we're going to take the initiative and we're going to take a risk on this new business. Um, I, I just don't know that that's, and I could be wrong. I've not been in government that long, but, you know, I just don't know that many, many local governments take some of those risks. Right. I think a lot of local governments are afraid to, and I think it does nothing else but show people that we care. Right. I would argue that the school projects are just a demonstration of how this community cares for itself. We care about our schools, care about our community. To me, Mike, you can agree or disagree. It, to me, that means a lot. If I'm the CEO of a company and I'm gonna bring a company to Fairborn, to know that those folks care about their community, to me seems huge. And are, and are forward thinking enough to say, you know, this needs to happen, not, right. not for currently our kids, because they may never see it, but you know, for the future of the students and the teachers and the educators that are going to be there, right? And I think we want to dispel the old, when, when you know, people smirk when folks used to say, "I'm from the government and I'm here to help." Right. <laughs> We're not in the business to to do uh, the a lot of things, but we what we can do is we can we can offer or extend um, any help that that we can, and so customer service is a huge part of that. And again, it goes back to, um, I don't, I don't particularly want people to chuckle when we say, Hey, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. You know, we have programs, we have incentives. Um, we have a, a great staff right. um, that, that provides great customer service. And so, 
um, you know, we want people to say, you know, hey, here comes the guys from the city. We know them. Um, and they're not bad guys. Let us in the door, right? Yeah, they're not bad guys. They'll, they'll do what they can to help you. They're trying to make life better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. not, not more difficult. Absolutely. One final question before we get into the Spark stuff. Okay. How do we choose what projects to take seriously and what projects not to? Because we get calls, I would say daily, yeah. of people that have great ideas, at least some of them in their mind, it's a great idea, but may not may, may not be worthwhile for the city to invest any time and effort into how do we determine which ones we actually try to make happen and which ones we don't um a lot of it comes from the communication we have with these folks you know it's tough i've been on the i've been on the other side of the fence i've actually had um uh, retail food service Uh, i've been in that market um i knew what i had to do I, i i had a vision but the things that went along with it, the the, the business plan creation, um, you know, uh, networking, that type of thing. And so many times we get folks who have this great idea, but they've 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 got to get from point A to point D and they don't realize that they have to do B and C. Sure. We can help them to a certain extent with that. Sure. But at the end of the day, um, there's certain things that they're just going to have to do. So through the vetting process is one of the ways that we... Yeah. That we determine how, you know, you know, we never, we always listen. We need sure. information. Once we have more information, even if we can't help you at this point, we can steer you to someone who maybe could mentor you and bring you along and, and segueing into Spark, which we're going to talk about in a minute. That may be, it doesn't sound like you're ready for your own standalone location, but hey, we do have a facility that might be able to help you. Yeah. And so what I guess what I'm trying to get at is, we do some work to vet these projects before we get involved. It's not just, you know, we throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. We do some research and we do some. There's a method to our madness. Yeah. And um, we're getting ready to, to start uh, our previous economic development plan. Uh, pretty much was successful and we've right. completed um, those, uh, that, that, criteria checklist, whatever you want to call it. So we're getting ready to go into the process of developing a a new economic development plan for the next five to 10 years. And so we'll be starting that process here shortly. It'll identify areas that maybe we we haven't necessarily um, done much with or er and move forward. But again, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what those plans look like. I mean, we have a common question about why can't we get a grocery store in a particular location? Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was a social media topic recently. And so um, a, a particular chain was was mentioned within 12 hours of, of that post going up. We made contact with uh, the customer service folks from that particular chain and have discussions with them. Now, in this particular case, it didn't pan out. But but, you know taking those positive steps. And a lot of times people just don't realize what we're doing behind the scenes. Sure. We're constantly working. Um, they used to call it working the phones. We're constantly talking to people, whether it's through emails, through zoom on phone calls, meeting with them in person. Now that we're back together, we're constantly vetting things right. and working, uh, you know, to see how does, how would, could this play out well in Fairport? Yeah. And a lot of times they don't want us to tell what we know. Right. right? Yeah, we, most of them do come. We can't hide up. anything, right? right? And we don't hide anything, but we don't have to advertise. With you know, we don't have to take an ad out in the paper that says, "Hey, we're working with Company A or whatever." Right. 
again, there's a method to the to the madness. Um, we're not doing anything that any other community, as far as confidentiality, would do. Um, right. Most of the projects that come out of the state, we have to sign confidentiality agreements, especially when we become uh, semifinalists and finalists for sure. those particular businesses. And so, um, you know, it's it's how do we keep putting our positioning ourselves so we can be in the best possible position. All right, let's get into it. You ready? Sure. <laughs> Tell me what Spark Fairborn is. I mean, Spark Fairborn is uh, just on itself is our, our co-working space kitchen incubator. You know, it's the old Roush's restaurant. So uh, that end of Main Street had some vacancies. Um, you know, it's it really is. It's it's Rob's uh, uh, idea um, when he was in the economic development director's position. Um, here's this this great facility. It's been you know an icon in the city for for decades. We have to put that back into in, into use. Uh, what better way to do that than than create a shared space where folks can have the benefit of a of a beautiful modern kitchen if they have um, you know a recipe for the greatest spaghetti sauce in the world um, so they can produce it once they get on their feet um, they decide they want to go somewhere else in a production facility in Fairborn but it's 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 meant to spark a business to the next level and so. Um, they, they spend time with us. That time might be six weeks. It might be six years. Right. Um, it, it depends. But they have a place that's affordable where they work their way through um, how to make their product or service even better. But at, at, at its heart, it's how do, we, how do we grow our own businesses so that then they stay in Fairborn and, and provide opportunity both um, through job creation, through taxes, as well as you know, for instance, like with Neighborhood Nest, it's just plain good food. Yeah. Right. Um, so how the, that facility's role is is really um, to take folks who have a, a great idea but need some help and, and nurture them along, provide them information about how you would set up, you know, an LLC or um, how get them in contact with somebody that can teach them how to do their their, their bookkeeping, things like that. Sure. All in that facility, so um, it, it should, it's just a real asset. To the it's funny that you mentioned spaghetti sauce or pizza, spaghetti sauce, because I think when when we were really in the first beginnings of this, and people would ask us, you know, what's a shared kitchen? We would always say, well, if you have the world's best spaghetti sauce, you could go there. Well, we actually have a spaghetti sauce company in the, in the yeah. kitchen, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, funny how things work out. It's like we manifested this spaghetti company. Yeah. Uh, who can be a member of Spark? Anybody? Anybody can. Um, and it's it is uh, there are membership fees and structures. Um, you can either call us, right, um, and we can give you information and set up a tour of the facility. There are some. If you go to the website for Spark Fairborn, you will see um, there are days where essentially, um, you know, you can come without scheduling a tour and right. see the facility, um, ask questions. But it's it, it, there's various ways. But but contact us, email, uh, phone, um, stop by. We'll, we'll give you a tour. We'll we'll show you around. We'll even connect you with some of the folks that are in there that'll, that'll tell you their story and and um, you know essentially network for you and, and potentially help mentor you. And that information will be in the show notes, right? It Megan? will be in the show notes. <laughs> Can't ask for more. I like saying we'll have yeah. a link to the. Yeah. So you mentioned the kitchen. Can you explain the co-working part? Yeah. 
Um, co-working is interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm 50 years old and I've never, I've never really thought about it, but it reminds me of when, you know, we used to be in the school and we'd go in the library and there were, you know, we would work in groups and, and it would help spur collaboration and, you know, you'd get ideas that you never thought of. Well, co-working, I may, I may be sitting at the same area with you guys and my business is nothing like yours, but there's something that you've done that, that I can, I can glean some information off of and perhaps make my business better. Or maybe it's, you take, you know, you you find out that Mike makes widgets and you're at a, a function somewhere else, a family function. And somebody says, oh, I really wish I had something like that. And you say, Hey, let me hook you up. So it's all in that networking. And so co-working folks, you know, not only uh, do f- desk work like we think of, but they also do a lot of communicating right. and, and, making connections. And so co-working is, is, is meant to, to spur that or create the environment, the atmosphere, um, that gets the creative juices flowing, but also gets people interested in talking to each other about, even if they're not in the same business, what they're doing. And so that whole open air concept down there is meant to, to, um, uh, again, keep spark their business idea and, and, and give them, uh, some, different perspective on, on how they could make their business better. And people can rent space right. if they, you know, let's say they have a smaller business. It's not kitchen and food related, but they, they also can rent office space basically. So you, you, right? you get as little as a day pass. Um, if you just want to try it, go in, um, see if you like the atmosphere there, you can do uh, a monthly pass. You can do a dedicated desk where you essentially have a table and a chair that are that are specifically for you. Um, we had uh, during the pandemic, we had um, one particular business that was in there because uh, they could spread out but keep all seven or eight of their of their team together in an area with dedicated desks. So you you can be in there as little as once, um, or you can do a monthly membership, um, and that's open to to anybody. Um, the Wright State Entrepreneurial Club. Um, as part of, of being a student, they could they could get a free pass um, to operate out of there. Uh, so it, it's it's as little as a day, or or bigger. So it, it it'll fit the the need of whomever is is looking um, for a co working space. So you mentioned it's a kitchen incubator. Can I go in and buy food on a daily basis? Well, not on a daily basis. Um, we do have folks who um, we have one particular entity that that has a, uh, uh, I would call it a subscription food service business, yeah. um, posts a daily menu, uh, you call or email him by a certain time, whatever that particular dish is for the evening, um, he prepares it, has it in takeout containers ready for you to go. One of the things we keep talking about is having a retail location where um, folks who, who produce those things um, could actually retail it out of there. And so we've taken the steps we need to with uh, the Department of Agriculture and with uh, Green County Health, so that there's that that potential in the future to actually set up a store uh, where if you wanted to buy fresh bread or baked goods, you could do that, or um, you know the the take and go meals, or chocolate dipped strawberries, or the the vegan uh, ribs that we have a member that produces and ships uh, nationwide. We've got some very unique food based businesses in there. And so we continue to look at the possibility of creating a, a retail location. Um, I believe the Spark website also has links 
or, or we are in the process of creating links to those folks and their sure. websites so that they could, they could um, order through the web and then I'm sure they could do arrange for a local pickup here or we could, sh those folks could ship. So right now location. most of those places have like a online presence. Yes. And then you can maybe buy their stuff at some local markets. Um, yeah. For instance, Blue Bike Bakery, who's um, a, uh, the baker down at that facility, he's in several different um, uh, farm markets around the area. Um, he's in several of the grocery stores um, in and around the Miami Valley. Um, you know, if, if as you go to their websites, you can see the different locations you can purchase their their products. And so and some of those are sold um, at our farmer's market. So, um, but I think we will continue to grow that. So I would say, look for bigger and better thing opportunities to buy um, directly from them at, at, at Spark Fairborn in, in over the next 12 to 18 months. So just to be clear, it's not a restaurant. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. If you, if you come in the front door, you'll see the co-working space is primarily the first thing you see. Um, there's two conference rooms that members can, can rent. Um, you get to the back third of the building. There's a clear separation. In fact, there's glass windows. You can watch anybody in the front kitchen um, going through and producing their product while you're having your meeting out in the co-working space. So that kitchen runs 24 seven. Um, you know, they use, they have key fobs to get in. Um, they're scheduled certain times. So depending on when your group's meeting there or your co-working, you may see a variety of different uh, uh, baking and, and cooking uh, activities going on, but yes, clear separation. Uh, I get a lot of questions yeah. of thought this was a restaurant. Yeah. No, nope. not a restaurant. Nope. Not a restaurant. <laughs> Good. So uh, we had a very unique partnership with regard to Spark um, with Cincinnati Bell. Can you talk about our partnership with Cincinnati Bell? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm sure folks are very familiar with the fact that there's uh, Wi-Fi downtown that's free Wi-Fi. So anybody that's that's visiting our downtown in the Main Street area. Um, pull out your cell phone, you know, it'll find that Fairborn Cincinnati Bell Wi-Fi network doesn't cost anything. You log into it uh, and anywhere along our, our main street area, you can access um, free Wi-Fi. It's fast. And it's fast. It is fast. <laughs> and so as part of that program, um, Cincinnati Bell also has uh, provided uh, fiber into Spark Fairborn. And so anybody that's familiar with the Spark Fairborn main conference room, it's called the Cincinnati Bell right. uh, conference room. And so Cincinnati Bell has been a huge partner of ours with, with um, bringing Wi-Fi to the downtown area, as well as supplying uh, internet uh, connectivity inside Spark Fairborn itself. And also it's allowed Cincinnati Bell to expand their fiber network, which is also an economic development benefit, yeah, right? Absolutely. It's beautiful. Fiber, is a, <laughs> fiber is a huge thing that a lot of folks a lot of companies look for as they make their decision on whether to come to a particular area. And so um, I think not only um, for our residents who are seeing a benefit, I know that Cincinnati Bell is investing a, a, a lot of money in expansion in uh, various communities throughout the Miami Valley and Fairborn's one of them. And so we will continue to partner with them as we move forward. Um, any opportunity we have to put fiber in the ground, um, we will do that because it not only has a positive effect for residents, but it has a positive effect as far as it goes with commercial. And if we learned anything out of uh, the pandemic, it was how important internet connect connectivity is, is to everyone, especially our students, um, when it comes to learning opportunities. Mike, you mentioned an organization earlier in your comments. I'd like to kind of expound on that a little bit. Can you explain 
what the Fairborn Development Corporation is? In its purest form, it's it's a an extension or an arm of economic development for the city of Fairborn. So many, many moons ago, back in the, the 60s, uh, the state of Ohio was having a, a lot of difficulty in com competing with Indiana and Kentucky to attract new businesses. And so the governor at the time um, and the state legislature created uh, the Community Improvement Corporation uh, legislation that allows for um, organizations like this to form, sets up a framework that they have to abide by to be within the law. Um, we choose to call ours the Fairborn Development Corporation rather than the Fairborn Community Improvement Corporation. There's a lot of, of myths about the Fairborn Development Corporation. Um, it is governed by a 12-member board of volunteers. Uh, city Council uh, has five seats of those 12. And so um, currently we have three sitting members of council sit on that board, as well as a member from our planning board and a member from the mayor's beautification and board of zoning appeals. Uh, so those are the five members. So they, they staff economic development staff. We work closely with the Fairborn development Corp um, as their staff, but there's a clear separation between the two. Um, the Fairborn development Corp, um, can be more nimble in what they do, right. um, where, where the city, if they own a particular piece of property, the process to, if somebody wanted to come in and redevelop something or develop something new, uh, could be cumbersome and because it doesn't move at the speed of business may cost us uh, a potential, uh, development deal. The Fairborn development Corp, um, actually, if they hold land, um, can go through that process of putting up property for sale, uh, vetting those folks. And then, um, you know, if, if a, a deal to sell it comes through, uh, they can essentially through one board vote approve something that would could take city council um, several meetings to do. Um, so it, it helps us um, move at the speed of business. We are regulated, the FTC is regulated. So we, we go through every other year, we go through an audit from the state of Ohio, just like the city of Fairborn does. And um, you know we have an audit team that comes in from the state. They're here with us for, uh, they may be on site for two weeks, but for folks who are concerned about the oversight of what the Fairborn Development Corp does, the, the Ohio revised code is very clear what we can and can't do. And then we're audited every other year um, by uh, members of the state auditor staff. So um, we, we are transparent. Um, right, we meet the third Thursday of every month at three o'clock. We Today, while we're, we're doing this podcast, the next thing I go to is, is uh, the, the monthly FTC meeting. And so, um, you know, it, we're, the FTC is, is, is an open book. There's nothing secretive about it. And the audit shows that. And I'm surprised you didn't include tutors as one of our economic development wins. Because that was, <laughs> yes. in this town, was a very big project. Yeah. I say that as somewhat of a joke here, but it really was something that demonstrates how fluid yes. the FTC process could be. Yes. Um, you know, that parcel was owned by, that property was owned by the Fairborn Development Corporation. Um, we worked with those folks for years. And then when they finally found the, the site that they liked and that their franchise approved, um, we were able to um, negotiate a deal for that property and then uh, close on it within um, several weeks rather, rather than several months. And they built a wonderful building there on yes. Broad Street. So it did multiple things. It 
create a new investment where it had been stagnant for some time. And we got a business that our residents really, we got a lot of questions about that business. So we were able to actually do something that they wanted, which brings me to the next segment here. We take questions all the time and Megan does our social media, so she sees a lot of them. Why don't we have certain things in Fairborn? So why don't we have uh, a grocery store on the north side of town? Explain how much or little we have to influence that. Um, again, it goes back to, to the actual market research that those businesses do. And it's either a fit or it's not a fit. And so, again, they're looking, in the case of a grocery store, they're, they're looking at how many potential customers they have in a one, three, five, and a five-mile radius. Um, they've got a, a, a plan that says they have to, you know, their profitability has to be at this. We think we need X number of, of, of customers. This area, you know, when we, when we go out as far as five miles, it either does or it doesn't have um, those folks. And so that's how they make their decision, at least in, in the grocery store case, what we've seen, and we're not, we're not the, the, the anomaly in all this. What we see is, is that you have large grocery stores that service a bigger area. And so the days where you used to have two or three Kroger's in a particular um, suburb, that doesn't happen anymore. Right. They rather have one large location um, for various reasons. And so um, it's amazing when, we, when I reached out to the one particular um, chain about uh, that was mentioned on Facebook several months ago. Um, it just didn't fit there. Right. And, and a lot of times folks have to remember this, too. As the economy goes, so does so do business and how they expand. So we may want something. They're not in, ex, in a, an expansion mode at that time. So, you know, things have to line up just perfectly to get these projects to happen. And so we have very little control over that. Sure. We can try and try and try. That's that's what we do is any opportunity we have, you know, to make a, a connection to say, hey, once you're expanding, if you're interested, um, I think our residents get frustrated, but so do we. Mm -hmm. We're not frustrated at our residents. We're frustrated with them because we try so hard to get people interested. And it isn't a matter of just throwing cash at somebody and they'll show up. Um, it's tough right now because getting building materials is so difficult. And right. so a lot of places just aren't expanding right now. They don't want to take over an old location. They want a clean site so they can build a new one, but they're not willing to build on the new site until the prices have come down and, um, you know, the product is available. So we're not purposely keeping businesses out of Fairborn. Absolutely not. No. And, you know, you there's, sure? there's always those. The rumor. Well, <laughs> you know, and, and we there, there's one particular rumor that always goes around. And, and <laughs> I'm getting there. And it's it's you know, there's look, we, we do what we can to adapt to what folks need. Yeah. Um, you know, once you go through that vetting process, part of what economic development does is work with the city planner for zoning, uh, building inspection for permits. Once somebody commits to the city, economic development doesn't just back away and say, you're on your own. We actually serve as an advocate for that business through our other departments. And so um, we're in, we're constantly um, checking in on the folks as they move through the process. Um, there's a particular uh, Main Street location that's uh, 
has a restaurant coming into it. People say, well, why isn't, why aren't they open yet? In this particular case, it goes back to, um, you know, something the health department is requiring is not readily available right now in the construction process. So they're not open yet, not because they're not committed to Fairborn. It's they have to wait to get that piece of, of building material to finally pass their health inspection to open their doors. So we are their advocate. We we reach out to to them on a regular basis. We reach out to the to the health district. We you know, so it's not like we drop the ball. It's it moves as fast as the rest of everything else does. That's also important to, to know that, for example, a small business like that doesn't have loads and loads of money they're dealing with, right? So they're trying to get this project oh, together shoestring. as they can on a shoestring. Yeah. And so that sometimes takes more time. Than and, and we have. In, in, in this one particular case, we've, we've assisted with, with pivot grants and, and other grants to, to help make sure that this project happens. Nobody wants them to open more than, besides the owner, no one wants them to open sure. more than, than we do. So, um, you know, we become friends with these folks. We, we, you know, we care about, you know, we want them to succeed. And so, you know, we're advocating on their behalf as much as we can. Before we get to the... I've the, got two questions. The, but so you had mentioned, you know, again, we talk about they can't fit into existing buildings. So sometimes it's easier for them to, you know, to start from scratch. I think it's important that the people understand that's one of the reasons why we did knock down some of the buildings was to create that shovel-ready ground. Because when I before I started working here, I'm like, I don't understand why the city is knocking this stuff down. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But... So often it's easier for the the business, whoever it is, to start fresh and have that shovel-ready site than it would be to try to outfit a, a building. And I just, mm-hmm. I know we true. get a lot of questions on that is, is why, why are we knocking stuff down? And, and that's one of the reasons. That's very why. true. I mean, there are, there are, you know, when you identify, especially when we talk about a one, three and a five mile radius, there's a couple of communities neighboring us that fit into that. If they've got a site that's clean and they're ready to build on it and they can build what they want that fits their need, that site's going to have an advantage over any other site. So do we hate to tear down buildings? Sure we do, but we also understand we've got to be practical. Right. You know, right. we want to be competitive to bring these things in. And so it, in certain circumstances, it requires us to demolish them so that that's a shovel ready site. So when the, the, particular business is ready to build it's it's not a what's we've got to wait till it's demoed and we've got to wait for this we've got to it's ready to go they could they could come in get their zoning approval and they could start moving dirt right away and unfortunately for us companies don't look deep enough to know that we're a great community right it's almost a beauty contest so to speak whereas the name of the city really doesn't matter it's more what the population is, what the median income is, what the demographics of that location say, whether or not they come here. So it's if we don't win that beauty contest, it doesn't happen. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, and, but it, it truly is. The name of the game is how quickly can they can they uh, can they acquire a piece of property, lease it, build out what they need, and get those doors open so that they're making money. Right. All right. And so, so shovel ready is important. So two final questions. One is. Why do we have so many gosh darn dollar stores? You know, that's an interesting question. There's, there's a, I went off script there. So yeah. sorry. No, no, no. And you know, we we see um, we everybody. Right. I mean, they're everywhere. they're everywhere. They're they're 
They're in every community uh, that I can think of. And so um, they fit a niche, a niche in, uh, in communities. And so, right. um, you know, there's, there's three or four of them that are, that are dominant in this region. And, you know, not only are they competing, uh, I mean, they're competing for customers. They want the nicest, newest, shiniest store. Right. Um, and they're successful stores. We all go, whether we need um, uh, Clorox wipes, detergent, right. uh, pop, uh, a Snickers, uh, you name it, it's convenient to use them. Uh, yeah, it's convenience it's, retail. Absolutely. Right. And so, um, quite frankly, um, a lot of times it's good for us as consumers because multiple multiple stores in a, in a region, they have to keep their pencils sharp with the best prices they can, they can do. And so ultimately it benefits our consumers. Right. Um, one of the things I think people have to understand is as long as it fits within um, the zoning code, we can't prevent someone from coming to this city. That's a good point. So, you know, folks say you need to, you need to not let another dollar store come in. Legally, we can't do that. Right. Um, as long as it meets retail zoning requirements, um, they have the right to be here. If they want to acquire the land, get the proper permits, they have the right to be here. We cannot stop them from doing that. And I think if you look at the dollar stores, it really, if you take a hard look at it, it's really what the old general store used to be, with the exception in some cases of produce, right? So people talk about, well, I used to love going downtown and getting whatever at the five and dime or the old grocery store downtown. That's really what these have become. It's a convenience retail, because let's be honest, to go to a large chain grocery store, you have to, that's a conscious decision. You don't just happen upon that. That takes effort, <laughs> especially nowadays because they're so large and they're so overwhelming. This is really a convenience retail that's a smaller footprint, get in and out of quickly, and it's really what the general store used to be. Right. Absolutely. All right, last thing we're gonna end with this. This is the longest standing rumor. <laughs> I've heard of in Fairborn, you're gonna put it to bed today. What happened to Cracker Barrel? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Good uh, try. So, um, you know, so ultimately- let me, let me set up the story and then you tell what happened. Okay. All right, so as I understand the urban legend, <laughs> Cracker Barrel was signed, sealed, and delivered to come to Fairborn off of, out, off of Dayton Yellow Springs, which is one of our burgeoning areas. The city somehow killed that project and Cracker Barrel went away. Can you never wants to come and again? Never wanted to come again. <laughs> so I, can I, you confirm or deny that? I, I think there's a lot of, of of different parts to this that has made this story what it is today. Um, having been here since uh, for for the last nine years, um, I've had a lot of time to to look into it and research it. And so uh, you can go back to the letter that Mayor Nagel went to Cleveland, Tennessee, the home of Cracker Barrel, and received. They never looked at Fairborn seriously. Um, as we've talked, their market research showed um, was locations where they wouldn't overlap with other stores. Right. And so um, the Fairborn, or um, even if you said the uh, western, northwestern area of Greene County, um, would have had a conflict between Springfield. Uh, Miller Lane off of I-75 and further down on 675. So those didn't overlap. And so um, there was never uh, a conscious effort to um, keep them out because they never were coming here. Right. 
I think where we run into some really interesting questions are because the urban legend is that said they were coming, but we were going to make them do an all brick building rather than their traditional right. um, country store wood uh, facade feel to it. I think people get that confused with the Waffle House that's on <laughs> DYS at 675 because um, we did as part of that discussion um, when we went through the, the process for the, the zoning of that, they offered to make it all brick and we chose to go with that. Right. And so I think there are some, I think there's some merging of a bunch of stories, but ultimately at the end of the day, back in 2006, Mayor Nagel went to uh, Cracker Barrel headquarters. They said, no, we've never considered Fairborn, but it, that, that urban legend has grown and grown and grown. We would never take something, whether it's Cracker Barrel, we would never tell McDonald's, you can't have your golden arches out front. We, we understand what their particular uh, look is and it, it, it just didn't happen. It's just so frustrating. We all love to have a Cracker Barrel here, oh, sure. but it would, it would overlap um, with their other existing stores. Well, Mike, what if we would have been before this particular store, that particular store, these plans they have are laid out right. five, 10 years in, in advance. So you may have said there was not a store in this particular location. And so it wouldn't have affected it. But again, they take a region and they they do their radius map and they say, if we go here, here and here, it, they won't overlap and won't take customers from another area. So we will be glad to include a, the letter from Cracker Barrel in the show notes. We have it framed. So can, yeah, we'll, even just we'll be sure to get a copy of that from the show notes. If you look at social media, there's a lot of folks in this town that know that that's the that's the correct story. And they they get a good chuckle out of it, oh, um, that they bring it up every time. But folks. I, you can, I can, sh like Rob and, and Megan have said, it'll be part of this. Yeah. You can see the letter that right. came from their corporate office that says, we love Fairborn, but we've never considered you. It's we'll actually be happy to have them again if they oh, yeah. ever. Oh, we would, if anybody we from Cracker Barrel is listening to this, <laughs> right. yeah. we'll entertain you again. Yeah, we would, we, we, in a heartbeat. So anybody that, we would never have done something that would have required them to do an all brick building. And they said, nope, we're out of here. I mean, it's just, just not true. Right, right. Okay, so that concludes uh, episode two. Mike, thanks for being here. Yeah, I mean, this was yeah, it was great. Good conversation. I know. We'd... I, I expect to, you're going to have me back to talk about development services here. So we'll, we'll so. have we'll, we'll talk about development services in a later episode. We'll get through the other parts of the city government as well. You can check us out. Hope my glare I've, doesn't. I felt it was well. I wanted to do economic development towards the front because it sets up a lot of the things that we're doing. So. Uh, Megan, we'll plug our social and then we'll sign yeah, off Yeah, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and YouTube. I forgot that one last time. Uh, at City of Fairborn. Uh, it'll be on the website, and we are officially now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, RSS.com, and soon to be Google. Uh, we're, yes. we're everywhere. We are. Most of those words I've never heard before. <laughs> Mike, thanks for being with thanks. us, Megan. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Government Off Podcast. We'll see you around town. Good job, Mike.